Welcome to Story Life, short stories brought to you by Mark Aluzai. Season 1, Good Morning. Episode 7, The Dungeon, written and read by Mark Aluzai. The warlock shackled her wrist tight to the cool wall of the dungeon. Natsuki pushed back with all the strength she had, but she was parched and weak, no match for the dark magic which held her in place. Ah, ha, 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 it's too easy to chain one such as you. It's almost as if you're binding yourself. She spat at him and missed. Again he laughed at her. He clicked a second manacle closed around her other wrist. Natsuki's arms were pulled unnaturally wide like the sign of the cross. Straining against the unearthly metal only made it dig deeper into her skin. She concentrated on slowing her breathing. In, out, in, out. When she'd relaxed enough, the pain in her arms eased, slightly. Glancing at her wrists, Natsuki saw the wall she was pinned to had holes all over it, hundreds from floor to ceiling. Was it all some kind of torture device? Two chains writhed on the floor, moving of their own accord. They reared up like cobras and wrapped themselves around her feet. They pulled painfully tight, binding her ankles to an iron loop at the base of the wall. The warlock turned his back on her and walked out leaving the thick wooden door wide open. There was no way to escape. He returned carrying a mug full of water, so full it spilt out onto the floor as he sauntered in. I thought you might like something to drink, he said, watching her eyes. Natsuki hated herself for it, but she was desperate. I, yes, please. Good, he nodded. I'll leave it here for you. He put the mug on the table. Ah, ah, ah. Grinning at her, the warlock walked away. I'll be back tomorrow, he said, slamming the door behind him. A moment later, an iron bolt slid forcefully into place with a loud clang, locking her in. That night, Natsuki cried dry tears, finally drifting into an uneasy sleep. In her dreams, she staggered along the ridge of a vast sand dune, hardly able to see as the wind sprayed grains of sand into her eyes. Her body threatened to pull her down with fatigue. She'd been lost before the storm. Now she couldn't even see three steps ahead. Each time she forced one foot forward, then the other, the soft sand ran over the tops of her boots filling them up, making them heavier and heavier. Drawing on the feeble remains of her strength, she lurched her way along the ridge, desperately searching for shelter or some indication of where she was in this God-forsaken desert. The wind abated suddenly and she stood, trying to gaze through the swirling brown of the storm. A gust came out of nowhere and knocked her, face down, into the dune. She woke up, panting, eyes wide. Reality was far worse than the dream. From other cells, 
Natsuki could hear wails, groaning, indecipherable babbling screams. Natsuki bit her lip and squeezed her eyes shut. A shudder ran up her spine, pulling her wrists painfully against the shackles. In. Out. In. Out. When the warlock returned, he was grinning from ear to ear. A terrifying eagerness seemed to dilate his pupils. Natsuki swallowed. Closing the prison door behind him, the warlock came to stand before her, smelling the air like a rat. Hmm, <laughs> the smell of fear. There's nothing quite like it, is there? She glared at him with all the hate she could muster in her soul. You probably don't know how you arrived, or even why you're here. His eyes seemed pitying. With a shock, Natsuki realised he was right. She couldn't remember what had brought her to this place or where she'd come from. She couldn't remember anything outside this cell. An indescribable terror turned her heart and gut to ice. Let me explain, he said, licking his lips. You're here to receive justice and torment for what you've done. First, we'll bind you with your failures, then your regrets, then your deepest, darkest sins. Then... When you think you can't take any more, when you feel like you're going to go insane with pain, we'll dig down into the darkness to find the horrors you've hidden even from yourself. <laughs> he shrugged. It's a public service we provide. Really, it's an art to break someone so completely within themselves before trapping them in their own agony for eternity. <laughs> it's why we're here, to dispense justice. You will be bound and bound until every part of you is fastened to that wall, trapped, forever reliving your own failures. Each one of these... The warlock turned and gestured to a table behind him. Natsuki was sure there hadn't been a table there before. But on it were dozens and dozens of restraints, fetters and chains. Each one of these is a mistake brought from your own shame. He picked one up. A cuff not much bigger than a bracelet. This is going to hurt, he smiled, before locking it into the wall around her wrist. Instantly, she was back in childhood. The time she lied and blamed her brother for eating the feast day cheese the night before the Great Winter Festival. In some ways, it was a relief to have a memory returned to her that wasn't the cell. But Natsuki knew what was coming. She watched her brother take the beating for her. He never said a word about it. The guilt was a blade in her chest. She was back in the cell. 
The warlock scraped Natsuki's cheek with his fingernail. Ah, the tears of the damned. So sweet, so delicious. He put his finger in his mouth. And we've only just begun. The next chain was the time she had ripped the birthday dress her mother had made. The one after, when her father had asked her to come on a three-day trip to get things for the house. And she had been uninterested in spending time with him. Hour after hour, layers of pain and hurt built one on top of the other. Until she understood why the shackles held her there. Until she felt their justice. The present became the past. Her mind began to lose track of when she was. The only commonality was pain. She'd forgotten she had so many regrets burning in the back of her conscience. They built on each other like lairs, just as the warlock had said. Parts of her mind reliving each one of her failures over and over. She ran from memory to memory, searching desperately for hope. The sound of the bolt on the door shook Natsuki from herself. The warlock was gone. Again, that night she cried herself to sleep, grasping desperately for memories reminding her of goodness or love. In her dreams she was back, slipping in the desert sand lost, struggling through the twisting, biting storm as the winds tried to blow her from her feet. Upwards, that's all she had, a vague sense of direction towards something that wouldn't save her. She could hardly stand. The gale pushed her down again. Her only chance was dropping the hand shielding her face and crawling along the dune's substantial ridge. The singing sand attempted to force its way under her eyelids, but they stayed shut. Blind! She felt her way forwards. Natsuki saw for a moment the summit, and beyond that a shadow in the distance. The tall dark shape was not a hill or a dune. The frantic hunger of desperation gripped her, drawing her on through the storm to what might be the only outpost of humanity in these barren lands. The clang of the bolt woke her. Natsuki opened her eyes to see the warlock enter the cell. He shuffled directly to the table, stroking his fingers delicately, one at a time, over the shackles. The first metallic band fixed her stomach to the wall. Even before it began, she could feel the cold in her gut. It was when she'd run away from home after arguing with her father. It had been the summer and she was only gone a few days, but when she crept home and hid beneath the window, listening, the argument inside had been dreadful. Her mother shouting, blaming her father, threatening to throw him out, cursing him, saying she'd never forgive him. Something had broken in their home then. He'd started drinking after that. The first one to pin her chest painfully against the wall was the abortion. 
She'd known it was coming. There was no stopping it though, and reliving it made her whole body shake. The one that caught her by surprise was when she walked out on Tom. Despite the years they'd been together, despite his devotion and even the fortune he'd spent to buy her the gold ring still on her finger, they weren't well suited. She'd known that, and the knowing should have been enough. It wasn't the memory of him begging her to stay. That wasn't the needle which pierced her heart, nor his weeping. It was the silent scream in his eyes, reaching towards her, telling her he would never recover. The fetter after that was obvious. It was the day she'd heard he'd killed himself. Natsuki couldn't remember when the warlock left, but the cell was empty. Despite that, she thought she could still hear his twisted laughter. On the table, all that remained were a handful of spiked bands and fetters. These ones would perforate the skin. Dozens of painful memories gnawed at the corners of her mind. Threatening to pull her back in, she pushed them away. Tomorrow would be the last day. She saw that now. Nearly all her body was pinned cruelly to the wall. Only some parts of her chest, neck and face were left. Tomorrow they, too, would be sealed in. Forever. Tom's face flashed before her eyes. The warlock was right. She deserved it all. The sand caught in her hair, her ears, her eyebrows. It stuck in her fingernails as she crawled, looking for the dark tower in the swirling storm. From the corner of her eye she saw something. It must have been the shadow. She could feel it drawing her out of the storm. Staggering and stumbling forward, the black shape grew behind the blinding clouds of sand and dust. Natsuki reached the summit of the dune, then slipped and slid down the far side, pulled onwards by some sixth sense. She neared the shadow of the tower. The wind subsided slightly. Maybe the great dune was providing a slight shelter. The sand was shallower and the ground more stable. Before her crystallised the base of the black tower reaching skyward. The obsidian stonework showed no signs of life. With faltering steps, Natsuki edged nearer to the black monolith. As she drew close, she saw the doors were wide open, inviting her in. Inside, all she could see was darkness. Each step took her closer, only a few more and she would find shelter from the storm. She tripped. Falling on her knees, Natsuki threw out her hands. Her palms hit the ground hard, stinging with the impact. There was solid rock beneath the sand. The backs of her hands were wrinkled and scarred and there on her finger Tom's gold ring. 
she'd kept it to remember him, to remember the day when he'd given it to her. Do you know what I love about you? He'd said. No, she laughed back. Everything. That was the bit she always remembered. But today, more came back to her. What would you do if I asked you to marry me? He'd asked. I'd have to kill you. Even when I'm dead, I'll love you. He'd smiled at her then in that dreamy, intense way she'd never known quite what to do with. Always. And if, when we're old, I die first, don't think I've stopped loving you. I'll love you from beyond the grave. Wherever I am, wherever you are, I'll love you. I'll be out there, wanting you to laugh, to be happy. I'll be missing you, wondering why you aren't with me. And I'll forgive you for being alive without me. Natsuki remembered the words, remembered Tom's blue eyes, saw his face right there before her in the sand. He loved her. He forgave her. Natsuki woke from the dream. The spell was broken. She woke from everything. It was night. Stars covered the sky, bathing the desert in silver. The black tower stood before her and the storm was gone. She was Natsuki Hoshino. And this dark magic could not hold her. Standing, she reached her hand to her drinking flask. The weight indicated it was not yet empty. Natsuki smiled and spat into the gaping moor of the black tower. Turning on her heel, she walked back into the stillness of the sands and the silence of the stars. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the story and want to support future episodes, please go to patreon.com forward slash podcast and join the community. Thanks. See you next time.